Hello and welcome to Holiday Moons, where we share our love for the holidays with you year-round. This is Randy Moon, and today we'll be talking about Christmas Woo! and our love for Christmas. So um, I will be talking specifically about white elephant Christmas gift parties. I'm Cole, and I'm going to be talking about the Nutcracker and the Nutcracker Ballet. This is Sydney, and I will be talking about Christmas songs, some history, and some trivia. This is Beth, and I will be talking about Christmas memories. So as always, we will start with holiday happenings this past week. Fun. Fun, very fun. We had a couple holiday parties and gatherings last week. Which are always very fun. I I really enjoy Christmas parties and Christmas gatherings and mm-hmm. the songs and the games and the you know, talking to people the camaraderie and, right eating food all of food the interesting <laughs> food yeah yum yeah so that's a lot of fun. So at both of our parties last week we uh, well I participated in what's called a white elephant gift exchange. So that leads us actually to our first topic too, which is. What is a white elephant gift exchange and why do we do it? Oh. <laughs> what is it? Well, the white elephant gift exchange is a game. So there are usually some boundaries to the game. And the way we play it is that every guest that wants to participate, so it's a voluntary thing, you don't, you're not you're required. Not required right? <laughs> but everyone that wants to brings a wrapped gift with no tag on it. So you don't say who it's from. You wrap it. Typically, people like to wrap in a very fancy way with you know beautiful bag or ribbon or paper, mm-hmm. uh, so it's attractive to those who um, <laughs> may select it, yeah. uh, at least on the outside. Or it can be very, very plain. Or it can be very plain. <laughs> so, um, so the packaging can be used to misdirect the people, right? It could be a Correct. great gift or a horrible gift, and you may have the packaging kind of be the opposite uh, mm-hmm. of what the, the type of gift is. And you and, never know. That's right. You don't know. So the gift is typically has a, a not to exceed cost to it. So say mm-hmm. no more than $20 or no more than $15, depending on what the party is. And, and people kind of run that differently. It can be a brand new gift up to that price, or it can be something um, that was gifted to you by somebody uh-huh. else that you're interested re-gifting. in. Right, re-gifting. <laughs> right. It could be a really nice gift or a really not-so-nice gift. Mm-hmm. Um, or or a very creative gift. Very creative yeah. gift, right? It could be anywhere in between. You don't have to worry about trying to be equal to other gifts. It, um, you could right. vary greatly in these games with really pretty nice gifts or really pretty crappy gifts. Yes, yes people tend to bring quite a variety. Right. So we have a, a designated location where people put the gifts when they come into the party or the gathering mm-hmm. so that other people don't see who brought them, right? right? So right. part of the fun is not knowing who brought which gifts. Right. So then when it's time to play, for those who brought a gift, everybody's giving a number from 1 to N, N being the total number of people playing the gift. So say it's 1 to 20, something like that. How do you hand the numbers out? So we usually put the numbers in a hat, like a Santa hat, and each number is individual, and they draw a number out, and the number is free to share. People can see what number they are. And depending how you play, the best number is either one or the highest number. Right. Yeah, that's right. true. So when it's time, everyone has a number. We bring all the gifts into one location. So if you're at work, maybe around your work Christmas tree or... If you're at home in your family room where everyone can see all the gifts at once. A large room. Probably a larger room. Right. Depending on how many people you have playing. Right. And we then start with person number one. So whoever has the number one 
in their hand has to go to the middle and choose a gift to open. Our rules are you can't touch the gifts if you're not going to open the gifts. So you can look at them and you can get down close to them and smell <laughs> them if you want to. But you can't like move them around. You can't shake them. Or anything. touch them at all. Or yeah. touch them at all. So once number one opens the gifts, they open it in front of everybody so everybody can see it. And, and then they sit down. And <laughs> That's right. Everybody comment. comments on it. And then number two, and then it's number two's turn. So then number two has the option to either open a gift that has not been opened from the middle or to steal, take the first person's gift. So if they take the first person's gift, there's a couple of things that happen. One is a gift can only be stolen, taken, X number of times. We usually do three times. So at the third time, it's then frozen? On the third steal, mm-hmm. it's then frozen. Whoever stole it mm-hmm. gets, gets to keep it, it and there's no taking it away from that person. That's right. Despite right. what other people right. try to do. <laughs> so, right. So if the person, if number two takes number one's gift, right, then number one gets to then open another gift. All right. Mm-hmm. Once that's done, then it's number three's turn. They have this option of stealing either number one or number two's gift or opening a gift. And again, if they steal one, the, that person then has the option to steal the other gift that hasn't been stolen in that round or to open another gift. Right. It goes okay. from one all the way to the top. Right. And the point sort of, it may sound a little confusing, but if you think of it as each person who has had their number drawn should have a gift on them. So if, if your gift is taken away... You get one from the middle, or you steal again. Right. Right. So, and everybody has to have a gift in their open gift in their hand before the next before the next number, number can go. Right. right. So you can't like pick a gift and not unwrap it. You have to unwrap it in front of everyone. Right. right. Everybody yes. sees everything. And you have to keep your gift that you've unwrapped in front of you, just because you really like the gift you have in front of right. you. Doesn't mean you can hide it behind your back or That's under right. your seat or. Or whatever. Right. Now, you can try to convince people not to take it away from you when they come to steal it from you. <laughs> but ultimately, you have to give it up if right. it's not frozen. Mm-hmm. Right. There's stages of grief, anger, acceptance. <laughs> <laughs> Moaning, whimpering. Yeah. And, you know. Resignation. Resignation. <laughs> right. So you go the whole way up to the, to the very top number. Mm-hmm. Now, at this point, this is where different people run it differently. Mm-hmm. All right. The way we run it is that at that point... That highest number, say it's 20, goes twice. They go once, the round goes all the way through, and then they go again. And the reason they do that is because because we go all the way back down to number one. That's right. Starting when, with that top number. Starting with the top number. Now, at that point, if all the gifts have been open, you, what you're basically doing is a is a give and a steal. Yeah. Right? So you're giving whatever crappy thing you didn't like to the other person. <laughs> and taking their and good taking thing. taking their fun thing away from them. And it only counts, you're only stealing the one gift. Right. right? So you don't count stealing as giving person a gift. Right? Mm-hmm. So you're just exchanging until every, now, when you're going down, you could choose to not do anything. You can say, I'm good. Mm-hmm. And it goes to the next number. You could, you can go take it from somebody. Right, but you just have to remember that if you're number nineteen and you just took number eighteen's gift away from them, well, they, you can't just steal it right back, right? Going down, it's another round. You can steal it right back. Oh, okay. Because now it's eighteen's turn. Eighteen can do whatever they want. The only thing they can't take is a frozen gift, right? The whole way down. So you go all the way back down to one, and, and then you're done. Now, some people go one through twenty. Mm-hmm. If twenty is the highest. And then they they have number one go again, and then that's the end. 
So number one is the best number to have in that case because you get to go in the beginning. And they do that because the only option they had was to open up a gift to begin with. So they right. give them a chance to steal at the very end. So the types of gifts can vary. We talked about a few of them. For my work parties, I usually like to get one of those animated little <laughs> like holiday wash. figure mm-hmm. kind of things that dance or sing. Uh, this year I had a dancing Yeti yeah. that I put in. And I usually have Beth wrap it because she puts it in a pretty bag with pretty uh, ribbons on it. It looks real fancy. To fool the people. <laughs> <laughs> but typically, those little dancing things, there's usually like a handful of people mm-hmm. that really like them. Yeah. So they'll, they'll be traded and usually frozen. For work parties, you see a lot of wine. You can mm-hmm. see um, a lot of gag gifts, maybe some yeah. inside joke gifts, gifts mm-hmm. that have been handed over and over again over the years you could do pretty much whatever based on the limit sometimes people do take things off their desk and wrap them <laughs> and and, and, and uh, put them in there that's, well and if uh if you don't want anything like if you don't want to take home whatever you know white elephant gift you're sure that you're gonna get and not like you can sort of strategize i know this past year I didn't want anything, so I brought a tub of whey, which is something that I needed, mm-hmm. and then just tried to get my own yeah. gift. And that's actually <laughs> and a lot of people try to get their own gifts. It's a pretty good strategy to yeah. bring something you like. Yeah. In the worst case situation, you you could go after the thing you brought. Right. Right. Yeah. Or so. best case situation. Now we've had at, at our home gatherings, we've had gifts return over and over again. We've had like old outdoor garden clocks that were like. Little rusty, little cobwebby, come yeah. back every year. For a, many, many years. A talking wreath came back last night. Yes, it did. <laughs> but the funny thing is, the person who brought it ended it up with it again. So yeah. Now they have next yeah. year's White um, Elephant gift again. So we need to be prepared. I think the worst I've seen is a an egg carton full of sliced used golf, golf balls, balls with what? like little slices in them. And then um, I also saw a can of soil dirt with fake worms in it as an as a those were like the worst ones yeah they were weird uh socks old socks well there was one that had a bag it was a bag of mismatched socks and then uh a poem with it that the person wrote about it and sometimes if people people wrap a not as good gift They'll put something nice in with it, like some candy or or like a a gift card, a Starbucks gift card or something like that. Yeah, if they're nice. Yeah, it's a consolation. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, so you know, typically I would say the minimum you need to really kind of get an active kind of game is probably 10-ish. 10 Uh, people? Yeah, but I would say it's probably 16 to 20 is the better range. I've done up to... I've been part of up to 120. That's crazy. But it really kind of gets boring because there's so many people before you, after you, it gets kind of confusing. I'd say 20 to 30 is, is a good range to do that with. Sometimes you can do three swaps and you're out, which means that if something's been taken from you three times, um, you're out of the game. Oh, that's kind of mean. I know. <laughs> that's right. You can also do a poem or a story. So that is sometimes used to move the gifts to move the gifts around. Right. So they have a left-right poem online. That's not really find. white elephant. I don't think of it. It's nope. not white elephant, but it is like an exchange. We it is a gift exchange. My, um, yes. When I was in elementary school, we had that, and it was uh, Mr. Right and um, Mrs. Left or something, and yes. like 
yes. left right often was said. You have right. to pass the gift to your left or to your right. And, and you can find a variety of scripts oh, yeah. online. We did that at our work party once. Mm-hmm. And right. then across. Yeah, across. You know, so it was interesting. It was fun. Yeah. There are a number of variations to this game or similar game. You may have heard of Yankee Swap. You may have heard of Dirty Santa. I've never heard of that one before, but that apparently is uh, popular in some areas of the South. There's Thieves Christmas. So, you know, there's a number of these types of things where, where you're basically bringing a wrapped, unidentified gift to a party and then using that for an exchange where you don't really know, per se, what you're going to end up with by the time you leave. Right. Now, the Yankee swap is a little different because you do that swapping without knowing what's in there. So everyone kind of moves a number of gifts around mm-hmm. without knowing what's in the package at all. The person who brought it actually tries to get you to take their gift. And then no. once every... Yes, yeah, so I've never really played that. I've seen that played once and I've read a little about it online, but I haven't played it. But everyone, once everyone's set, then they open their gift. Mm-hmm. And then you can exchange gift afterwards. If two of you agree that you would rather have the other person's gift, you can do that as well. Ah. So the interesting thing about the term white elephant, a lot of times... Most of the time, I would say, white elephant gift exchanges don't actually have a white elephant gift in them that you're getting. Although sometimes they will have a white elephant that is brought year after year that people just use again and again. But the term white elephant, when I looked it up, it talks about and references the king of Siam a long time ago. If he was unhappy with somebody, he would buy and gift to that person a rare white elephant as an extravagant gift knowing how burdensome that gift is because wow. you can't put a elephant to work in that region of the world mm-hmm. because they're sacred mm-hmm. and a rare one is even more sacred yeah. right so you can't put it to work so you don't get anything out about having the elephant but you have to take care of the elephant mm-hmm. feed it get you know, make sure it has all proper care and That's hilarious. and um, <laughs> servants and things like that so it actually would ruin the people that he gifted it to. Oh, wow. So it's, it refers to an extravagant but burdensome gift, and it's based on this legend. Now, when I looked up research, a lot of people kind of poo-pooed the legend mm-hmm. as just being apocryphal, but, but at least that's kind of where it came from. And then apparently it was first used popularly in the early 1800s, around 1828 or so. Mm-hmm. Um, they can kind of point back to it in the United States as a as a term that refers to this exact thing the gift game. the game in parties um, during their time it is funny how many of our parties and party games actually came from the 1800s kind of an interesting yeah. little bit of information there so it's something that i always enjoy i think we enjoy doing at parties and gatherings and yeah we have a lot of good memories of and i remember watching you guys do it do when it. i was little too mm-hmm. at various christmas parties and gatherings and that kind of thing i never really understood it when i was little but it's it's something i always remember seeing cindy said the same thing that she would sit and watch through the stair banisters, banisters. yeah <laughs> at the party and all the gift exchange it's a, it's a great christmas memory for us it's interesting because when you ask Anyone to share Christmas memories with you, they share more than just facts and events. They share feelings. Christmas is a time for love and family, and those memories have special feelings attached to them. Mm-hmm. For instance, I was talking to my friend Trish, who is more of a thinker than a feeler, and she talked about her Christmas morning and visiting family and playing with cousins. 
But a memory that stands out to her is when she went back home in the car. It was about an hour's drive. And they would, she and her sister would sit in the back seats, each at a window. Where are they driving from? From her grandmother's, Mm -hmm. back to their house. So they would count Christmas lights to see who could could count the most (laughs) Christmas lights on the way home. But inevitably, they'd get drowsy and kind of drift off to sleep. And she could remember hearing her dad and mom kind of quietly talking in the background. And she'd doze. And they had their little box of gifts from the aunts and uncles and grandma. Mm-hmm. And so there's just that happy feeling of that happy memory, which was very interesting to me. And then Eric, another friend, talked about a Christmas memory he had where his grandmother had an advent basket. Each day in December, they got to open a little gift. So his mom passed that tradition down to his children. His daughter, who's now an adult, was trying to remember some of the things that she got. One time she got a small tree, and each day she would open an ornament to go on the tree. Another time it was a shelf, and each day she got to open a little animal for the shelf. So that's a memory passed down. My mom said she remembers getting up on Christmas Day. Each of the kids, there were five kids at the time, each of the kids got a plate with an orange on it and some candy. Mm -hmm. This really awesome memory for her. So my memory, I was thinking about what is a fun Christmas memory from my childhood. And I remember my brothers and I standing at the top of the steps waiting for my dad to get home and get changed. He helped a local farmer milk cows. So we had to wait till we got home, got changed, and I think the man even got a cup of coffee. <laughs> like Probably. it was, it was torture. And so we were up there, we were all excited. We were like, "Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness!" And then when Dad finally said, "Okay, you can come down," it's like I'm surprised one of us didn't end up in the emergency room because we were so excited, and we just scrambled down and ran over to the tree. So that's one of my fun memories growing up. So. Randy, Sydney, Cole, do any of you guys have a memory you'd like to share? Well, we had to wait till our parents woke up and got dressed as well. And that was you know, torture for us, too. We could go downstairs, but we couldn't touch anything. So we could look in our stockings really, really, really close, but we couldn't touch our stockings. So <laughs> I think occasionally my nose accidentally bumped my stocking. I'm sure. But a, a funny memory. I don't know if it's a great memory, because at the time it wasn't. So I'm the youngest of six kids. And so my parents had to buy a lot of gifts for us. So they had to find some creative ways to hide all of those gifts, (laughs) you know, to put them all places so that they weren't just laying out somewhere. Mm -hmm. At some point, uh, I'm sure I was uh, unduly influenced by my older brothers. So who is we? Uh, So it would be Bruce, Brian, and I, the three youngest kids, at some point decided we were going to start snooping, which is basically... (laughs) Without people knowing, trying to find the presents and see what they were, right? (laughs) And we called it snooping. I have no idea why. So when our parents were out and we were being babysat, in quotes, by an older brother, (laughs) say my oldest brother, Jim, we would go around and try to find places that our parents hid the gifts. So this particular year, when my parents lived in Pennsylvania, they had hid a lot of the gifts in their closet, which had an entry to the attic, like a small entry to the attic. So three kids, probably 9, 10, 11-ish kind of age. Uh, Bruce and Brian were twins, so you know we're pretty close in age. 
we got caught one evening by Jim <laughs> snooping for gifts. But the thing was, we were in different locations at that moment. I wasn't with Bruce and Brian. Mm-hmm. So Jim caught Bruce and Brian red-handed. Oh. And he's like, oh, I'm going to have to tell mom and dad. And they were like, no, 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 oh, don't tell Jim, the rule follower. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Being the oldest, he was the rule follower. And he, he did his job. He did his he did duty. It well. He stopped us from doing something wrong. So they were in trouble, right? So I was kind of around the corner and I heard all this going on. So I wasn't sure what to do, right? Because they didn't rat me out. They didn't say that Randy did it too, right? I could hear them like, you know, they just basically sucked it up. Now, I don't know how, if they were broken up about it or not, but they basically sucked it up. So I decided that I was going to make a run for it. From where I was over to my bedroom, right? But I had to cross over where the steps were, where Jim could see, uh-huh. but I didn't know he was at the bottom of the steps. So I decided to make a run for it from the my parents' bathroom area over to my room. As I ran by the steps, he saw me, oh. and the, the gig was up. Yeah. <laughs> you so were I got included. So when my parents got home, uh-huh. You know, Jim obviously told on all three of us <laughs> that we had done that. Mm-hmm. And so we got in trouble. And my parents were actually, I guess it had enough of it. Because I don't know. this. You was, must have done must, it a lot. Must have done it somewhere <laughs> where we had snooped and found presents. Uh-huh. Or almost found presents. Uh-huh. So they actually just put all the gifts out in their bedroom. Like a sea of bags and gifts across the bedroom floor. And they said, fine, if you want to see all your gifts before Christmas... Here they all are. They left their bedroom door open, which they didn't normally do, and all the gifts were on the bed, uh-huh. on the on the floor, were everywhere. They were already wrapped and everything. Nope. They were not wrapped. Oh, wow. They just put them out there. They had and, had enough. Yeah, they had had enough. And not, none of us went into that room. <laughs> That's so funny. We didn't yeah. want to see what was in the room. We didn't go in at all. Yeah. Yep. So we, we learned we our lesson. And we learned our, learned our lesson. Probably 90% we learned our right, lesson. Right, yeah. 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 So that's that's a interesting or a funny that memory a funny now memory. To, look, yeah. to look back on. It is it's hilarious. What about you guys, Sydney and Cole? Okay, so I actually do. <laughs> I have a lot of fun memories from Christmas and the Christmas season when we were younger, when we were older. But a particular memory from one year—I forget how old I was. I think I was around a tween, maybe a little younger, and. We had purchased a green velvet dress for me. (laughs) (laughs) And at the time, I just, I hated fashion. I hated lace. I hated tights. And I just, I was in this kind of mode of no dresses, no lot of different kind of fancy stuff. Yeah. You were in comfort mode. Yeah. And how old were you? Probably nine or ten. She wasn't very old. Yeah, it's probably um, preteen is my guess. I wore these super comfy pants, super comfy shirts. They were Land's End, like Land's End shirts. And I had these pink, I loved boots. And I had these pink boots that would light up they and I would, would. walk. Yes, they it did. It was like this yeah. butterfly design and they were so fun. Pink, like kind of like a suede-ish kind of boots. Exactly. Like a texture on and the it outside. was like a darker pink and I would wear them everywhere. <laughs> right. Literally you everywhere did. with me. Yes, yeah. you did. So one year we had this green velvet dress and I had gotten you black patent leather Mary Janes. Little, yes. Little, little shoes. shoes. Little shoes, had a little bit of a heel and I was to wear this green velvet dress with some white tights 
and these black shiny shoes. Well, <laughs> on to Christmas Eve service. Because we always go, we always take pictures in front of the big tree together. We go to the service. And that that's our Christmas Eve tradition. That was one of our Christmas Eve traditions. So that night, I was, you know, looking around my room. And it's like, oh, I... I can't find my shoes. <laughs> yes, that's yes. what she said. Yes. Mom, my black dress-up shoes. I Mom. said, what do you mean you can't find your black dress-up shoes? I can't find them. I looked in the closet. I looked under the bed. I've looked in normal places apart from those, and I can't find them. They're nowhere to be found. No, yeah. So I think Mom looked. Oh, I did. Yes, but I the did. thing was, Everywhere. we found out late. So we didn't have right. a lot of time this is, to look. This is Christmas Eve day, right before the service. Right before the service, because you don't wear tight. You didn't want to put the tights on until you had to. Right. right. So right and before the service. As a right. family with younger kids, we were already late. Right. <laughs> as far as you know, getting out the door to go. Yeah, right. and of course we had to take the pictures in front of the, the tree. tree and everything. And yeah. all now, did you stuff. come down with those boots on and and because t- I think I remember you having them on and w- w- us saying. Sydney, why do you have I, those boots I, you on? You know, I had to have shoes. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I you, had, you had socks, not your tights on. No, no, no. no she had the tights. tights. Okay, you did have the tights on. Yes. I probably, I probably had socks over the tights. I don't know. Because <laughs> I really hate tights to this right. day. So, yes. So With my American I, Girl doll. Yeah, and you had an American Girl doll with you. American Girl doll. So, um, we had pictures. Yes. Of uh, and I looked so happy. <laughs> and the thing about those boots, they were fine boots, but they weren't. They were new. worn. They were worn. <laughs> right. <laughs> she yeah. loved them. She wore them everywhere. Rain, ice, snow, snow summer. Yeah. 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 She loved her boots. So it was funny though because I ran upstairs and it looked around. I couldn't find them either. I was like, seriously? So we went downstairs and I looked at it and I looked at her and I was thinking. Ah, Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, all right, Sydney, you you get to wear your boots. Yeah. And in those pictures, you did look so I know, happy. My dress was puffed down. <laughs> I had my American Girl. I had this big smile on my face and my green dress, white tights, and pink light up boots. boots. Yep. yep. Pink warm light up boots. boots. Yeah. I think so she, was... we actually went through two sizes of shoes with her. Yeah. We bought extras of those because she yes. liked them so we much. We did, yes. Yeah. yeah. So it was really, it was our fault. <laughs> you did it to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We allowed so, it. So that was a, a very fun That fun is memory. a funny memory. A funny memory, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. yeah. So for me, I've got a number of good memories on Christmas, and a lot of them revolve around doing things with my gifts with my dad. Hmm. So, I think one of the things... I don't have a lot of very vivid memories of Christmases when I was younger. But I think one of the ones that I remember the most is when Dad got Sydney and I Game Boys. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and I remember, I remember sitting on the hearth. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, he got Sydney and I Game Boys. He got Sydney and I and himself. <laughs> <laughs> I have no I was simply trying to make sure that we all understood how it worked. Right. Um, but I remember, it's not a long memory, but it's it's a really good one. I remember sitting on the hearth next to him, watching him play the Game Boy. Oh, that's funny. I remember that too, watching both you and Dad. Yeah. I played like Donkey Kong or whatever. And these right. were like the old school Game Boys. Yeah. Right, the original ones. So, mm-hmm. you know, as you guys grew up, I grew up playing Atari, right? That was like the the game system at the time. So I loved playing that. And I think we got the Atari when I was like a teenager. Hmm. 
maybe maybe what preteen teenager. You had Coleco. Coleco vision. Yes, yes I did. Right. So when we had kids, one of the things I was super excited to do with you guys mm-hmm. was to introduce video games at yeah. the appropriate time yeah, at the appropriate right. level. <laughs> And the first one we actually got to introduce you to was Freddy Fish game, oh, which yeah. was a computer, a PC based game mm-hmm. that I could sit down and it's kind of educational, educational, <laughs> kind of educational, with a little bit of uh, fun with right. it, right? A little, Freddy a little Fish bit. was awesome. It was a, it's a pretty accurate statement with a little <laughs> bit of fun. <laughs> in it. Yes, exactly. Freddy Fish was great. But when we both, when I was able to convince Mom <laughs> to get you guys Game Boys, uh-huh. that was sweet because I knew that was Nintendo yeah. City, right? That was yeah, all yeah. the fun Nintendo games that we mm-hmm. could play, so that was very fun. That was really was. good. Well, and it was better once once I got like a GameCube too, because yeah. that meant that we could do it together, right? Exactly. And honestly, versus yeah. watching each other play, versus watching each other play, which we did. Yeah. Like I would watch you play computer games too, mm-hmm. which was uh, I always remember being fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And offering input. Yes, right. Yeah, I'm sure Dad thought that was really fun. Well, actually, it's, it, it was helpful because they do learn those things pretty quickly, so it was pretty helpful mm-hmm. input. Okay. Except when we were, we were telling you things like you can't hunt the animals. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, yes, I see what like you're age saying. Mythology, yeah. kind yeah. of. Yes, where you guys were putting restraints on me as far as yes. I had to like I had to like save the animals or yeah, I, yeah, save I could, the pigs yes. or the sheep. Right, that's right. I do yeah. remember that. That's um, but no, that's that's one of the Christmas memories that I remember the most when I was little. Mm-hmm. I also remember every year we would pull out the Nutcracker, mm-hmm. the Nutcracker VHS, and yes. put it in. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't remember going to see it, but you said that we went to see oh, it. Oh yeah, every we took year. you guys every year to see it up till. I have no memory of that either. Yeah, up yep. till you could remember things. <laughs> then we stopped. Then, then, then we, we stopped, stopped because yeah. hey. Why keep going? <laughs> Why keep going if we can remember? And we didn't it? go to the same place. We went no. to different places right. to take you okay. to make sure that you would remember. Oh wait, no, yeah, yeah. that didn't work. <laughs> Clearly, that was money well spent. <laughs> yeah, right. We really remember that VHS though one. <laughs> yeah. Don't you have a Nutcracker on your stocking? I do. Yeah, I, I do yeah. have a Nutcracker on my stocking. Yeah. So I always thought one of the most interesting things, interesting decorations that we have around Christmas time is the Nutcracker because it's kind of a, a bizarre decoration. Yeah, if you think about it, just related to Christmas trees and Santa Claus. Right. And Nutcracker. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. Christmas trees, Santa Claus, Nutcracker. I mean, Christmas tree. Really, if you think about any of them too much, you yeah. start seeing how bizarre they are. Yeah. The Nutcracker um, is definitely one of my favorites, too. Yeah. Yeah, and it's all over the place. Anywhere that sells Christmas decorations or decor, it's like mm-hmm. a Christmas tree. Right. Mm-hmm. Like anywhere that you go, you see these. And sometimes they're huge nutcracker-like sculptures that people have right. set up places. That's right. In fact, we saw some at Disney. There yeah. quite a few big, like, huge, oh, like like seven, over seven feet tall like right. nutcrackers right. there. Yes. They're, they're expensive. So cool. They're hard to get for in front of your house. <laughs> have You've you tried? I have looked and tried. But I was interested in the roots and how it became popular in the United States and how the Nutcracker Suite Ballet became so synonymous with Christmas time. Yeah. So the dolls themselves come from Germany in the late 17th century. Probably could guess it was Germany by their slightly horrifying appearance. <laughs> well, and uh, Germany um, is still famous for yeah, creating nutcrackers. They are, and it's they are actually supposed to look that way. They're actually supposed to look a little frightening. Oh, really? They come from the region between Saxony and Bohemia, and they were often given as gifts and were considered both good luck 
and as protectors of the family. So they were most often portrayed as soldiers in the latter years, uh, and it's said that they protected the family from evil spirits, that they would bare their teeth at the evil spirit, and oh. it would flee away from the household. That's interesting. Cause, so that's why they have their teeth That's show. why they have their teeth, always have their teeth bared. So the one that region that they come from, Bohemian, I love the rhapsody they have there. It's a great nice. rhapsody. <laughs> Ah, that's a stretcher. That's that's his contributions. Yeah, (laughs) thank you. Yeah, and this is why they were frightening in their appearance and always baring their teeth. In 1892, that ballet, based on E.T.A. Hoffman's 1816 tale, The Nutcracker and the Mouse King. So it is actually based on a story. We were talking about that earlier. Yeah, we were talking about that earlier, whether it was the ballet first but it was a story by a German. So in 1892, the ballet was released in St. Petersburg, Russia, to the music of the legendary composer Pyotr Tchaikovsky. So since Tchaikovsky wrote the ballet, the first premiere was in Russia. Right. right? Was in, at the time, the capital of Russia, St. Petersburg. Which Cole has visited. I have visited. I have fun and interesting memories from St. Petersburg. One of the times that I went to Moscow, they took us to the ballet mm-hmm. in Moscow, which is an amazing... Yeah, did they take you to the Bolshoi, mm-hmm. which is the premier theater yes. in Russia. Some people would say in the world for ballet. The owner of the theater would definitely say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and probably any Russian. And his too. mom. <laughs> and his mom. <laughs> <laughs> you have the best ballet (laughs) (laughs) but uh i think the nutcracker is probably what people know because a lot of people do know tchaikovsky's name they do in the u.s right do yes it's a very famous ballet yeah the nutcracker 1812 is another famous piece by tchaikovsky that i think we always hear with the cannons with the cannons (laughs) right around independence day we hear it a lot Mm -hmm. uh do you guys are you guys familiar with it goes... Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of people think that it's like an American... Right, because it's included. Right, because, right. because it's always included. But yeah, it was written by Tchaikovsky as a, a victory against Napoleon right. song. So that's why, they, that's why they always fire the cannons right. at this certain point. Because it has the ebb and flow of the conflict. Is it bad that I think of the Muppets for Oh my god! <laughs> I was they're talking about the Muppet Vision 3D. They play the song. At Disney World in Hollywood Studios. The song is royalty free, so you hear it a lot of places. Right. Um, but back to the back to the nutcracker. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> right? But I, I think a lot of us know the story pretty well. But a girl named Clara or Marie in the original. Oh, interesting. I think Clara probably more of a Russian name. Okay. Clara's um, what I have always heard. Yeah. Was Marie from the book? Marie was from the book. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Written by the German. Right. But she receives a gift of a nutcracker from her godfather, Drosselmeyer, for Christmas. Some people say he's Santa Claus. I don't see it. I don't think he was in the original because he was kind of tall and frightening and had an eye patch and was not jolly or anything. Seems more like a pirate than seems more like a pirate than Santa Claus or um he was a he was a magician is what he yes, was. Yes, that's right. 
And he did all kinds of fantastic things. When everybody goes to sleep, Clara goes down to play with her nutcracker. Then she begins to shrink in size, down to the size of the nutcracker. And she's accosted by rats, led by their rat king. And the rat king has a bunch of different portrayals in ballet. Some have him, I think a lot of them have him the size of a person. Some of them have him with three heads. Some I've seen of them the three heads, yeah. Um, with seven heads Ooh. or more. Some of them have him huge, like five, six times the size of a person. Disney recently released a updated version of, of the, the Nutcracker. Nutcracker. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. I've... And what they actually did for the Rat King mm-hmm. was the rats came together. Spoiler alert. <laughs> the rats came, thank you. The rats came together to form the large rat. So they, in huh. essence, became the rat. King. Became the rat king when they came together. So it reminds me of other shows we've seen, like Nightmare Before Christmas, where the bugs all come together to create the the main bad Oogie guy, Boogie, Oogie, yeah. Boogie, Boogie, and that yeah. one. So it's that kind of thing. So Disney's release, I went to see it. Um, none of the other family members have seen it yet. Mm-hmm. It had elements of the original story to it, but they tried to add some twists to it and some things to make it original. It still had some of that kind of what I would call boring parts that kind of lay out <laughs> yeah. they're not they're nice but it kind of just there's no real plot movement in sections of it yeah yeah and in the ballet it sort of peaks in the middle clara the the rat king's defeated the nutcracker comes to life and her brother fritz's wooden soldiers come to life and they they fight the rats and clara throws her shoe at the rat king and he gets defeated now in some of them the nutcracker that she's given mm-hmm is broken. Is broken. His arm's broken. And there's, there's some stuff that I don't have time to... Uh, there's a lot of details. That... Okay, I'll go through it all then. Okay, great. <laughs> no, but it, start in some the of them, the Nutcracker leads the wooden soldiers, right? Right. I think in, in just about all of them, okay. he leads the wooden soldiers. But he has like a broken arm or something right. going on with him. Um, I think some of the difference in some of them is that in some, the shoe kills the Rat King. And in some, she throws the shoe, and the Rat King turns around, and the Nutcracker stabs him. Oh, so it's a distraction. So in some, okay. it kills the Rat King, and some, it's a distraction. Okay. So hopefully this is okay to share. Beth can decide later. But when we were first married, we were given a Nutcracker uh, by um, a family member. <laughs> and um, Beth wasn't sure how to use a Nutcracker, not having ever been exposed to having one when she was young. Mm-hmm. So instead of, there's there's a little lever in the back that you use to open and close the, the Nutcracker's mouth. mouth. It's right. in the center of the back. Well, what Beth was doing <laughs> was taking one of the poor little Nutcracker's arms and twisting it around and around. I was like, how does this open it? It was like she was trying to get information and out of it. As, <laughs> As I said, no, his little arm popped off. So I always liken that first Nutcracker to the Nutcracker in the Nutcracker Suite because yeah. his arm is broken. And maybe that's what happened to the Nutcracker. <laughs> Somebody didn't know better and they were torturing it by... Well, you put a pin in it and stuck it back on. Yeah, I fixed it. Sure. But, so I don't see why we're even but, bringing this up. <laughs> but I'm not sure if his trauma is will ever be fixed. Good. Heavens, this was so long ago. Um, this was decades and decades ago. It was. But after that, what Dad's talking about with the slow part is after the Rat King's beaten, it's a long celebration where she goes through the land of snow to the land of sweets, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of dancing and traditional ballet 
thing. So it sort of has its climax in the middle, and then you get sort of the part that some enjoy a lot think is boring. Yeah, it's it's interesting, but if you've seen it a number of times, it's very consistent, right? So it's right. very much the same. It has like interesting dances. If you're seeing it in the ballet form, interesting dances, interesting set scenes, great music. So I mean, yeah. it's not like bad at all. It's just it it's harder. Re- it's harder to see if it's a worse ballet. Yeah. Like if you're going to Moscow to see the Nutcracker, yeah. it'd be a lot more impressive. The bigger ones, you can see a lot of great set pieces in yeah. ballet. Yeah, and it's Ooh. difficult to talk about the wooden figurines without talking about the ballet because the popularity and success of one is so closely tied to the other. They first started getting popular in the U.S. after the Second World War when soldiers went to these German markets when they were in Germany. Like the markets we talked about last week. Right, like the markets that you guys went to. Okay, yeah. And they found these nutcrackers and took them home with them. Because they were mm-hmm. kind of bizarre looking and they were, you know... Interesting. Suppo- they are supposed to bring good fortune and good luck and all of that. Plus, you could crack nuts with them. Uh, uh, not really. No, not really. <laughs> Whatever. Um, because or, or they Because they haven't really been functional for a couple of centuries. Because they're mostly just about completely decorative. I mean, just take the whole thing in your hand and smash it down on top of the with the base. That works. Um, And I'm sure they were interesting souvenirs. Right. Uh, I like collecting them. Yeah. No, and and we collect them. We have a number from um, lots of different places, including Germany, as well as some other places. So, yeah, Yeah. we really enjoy collecting them. Yeah, and the popularity and demand for Nutcrackers spiked in the 50s when the ballet first came to the U.S. Oh, okay. And the ballet and the wooden figurines just continued to grow in popularity alongside one another. Um, And it's interesting because the Nutcracker Ballet is, like, just as well-known as, say, Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol or anything like that. It's just synonymous with the holiday. Right. Mm -hmm. I was thinking um, they both are very Christmas-oriented. You think of Christmas. Yeah, I was reading a a few people's, like, opinions on why they thought it was so popular the nutcracker because it doesn't have any nativity thing in it it doesn't have any kind of religious or santa it doesn't have santa it doesn't have anything religious it doesn't have like redemptive story like christmas carol does right Mm -hmm. no you're right yeah but i think a lot of it comes down to sort of this strange and fantastic element of it because it's like it's got all these christmas elements in it the christmas tree the celebration the dance but it also has this sense of mystery about it mm, and mystery um, magic mystery and magic yeah good versus evil good i mean versus it has evil. that it has parts that are exciting and fast paced and it has parts that are uh, slow and graceful and i think in a lot of ways it's sort of at least when it came out it was sort of like how people would view russians like they were sort of there was sort of this air of mystery and and magic because it's it's not the East, it's not the West. It's own sort of snowy, mysterious place. Less so now, but I think that sort of at the time. embodied that at the time for a lot of people. Yeah, and you know, I think another thing is that because this is open domain, like nobody owns it, it's easy to reproduce. You hear the music everywhere. You don't have to worry about copyright or anything right. when you're doing the bad way. Kind of like we were talking about with It's a Wonderful Life. Right. It, because it's open and free and you know it needs to be interesting, that that also probably encouraged people to use it. Right, and, to use it and make it more popular right. exactly. and everything like that. And I think that combined with the strange elements of it, and those strange elements sort of 
in the the wooden figurines themselves sort of makes it a great addition to anybody's Christmas, sort of as a decoration and as your watchful protector, of course. <laughs> bearing its teeth against the evil spirits that... Yeah. That they invade your house. Yeah. Interesting, um, interesting show and interesting songs. Absolutely. <laughs> and that leads right into my section, which is Christmas songs, history, and trivia. Fun. Fun. So I'm getting... We're first going to do the trivia part. Oh, okay. So I'm going to ask you all just um, some questions. I found these... 25 surprising facts about classic Christmas songs on BuzzFeed, because that's the place to find 25 interesting interesting facts facts. of anything. Well, the the 11th one shock us. Right, right. (laughs) Yes, right. Surprise us or shock us. I'm not going to read all 25. I'm just going to kind of skip around and we'll find out. Do we just shout them out? Yep. You all just shout out. There's no score. Jingle bells. No. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I thought we okay, started. Okay, you have to wait till I okay. ask the question. Well, then ask the question. Oh, thanks, Cole. <laughs> <laughs> Do it, go. We're so excited. Okay. True or false? The True. first Christmas song to mention Santa Claus was Santa Claus is Coming to Town. False. 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 Why is that? Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer was yeah. first. So the first Christmas song to mention Santa Claus was Benjamin... I think Hanby's Up on the Housetop, written in 1864. 1864, wow. Up on the Housetop, was that fun? Up on the Housetop. I am shocked. Mm. (laughs) I am appalled. Reindeer's paws. Out jumps good old Santa Santa Claus. That's right. Let's see. True or false? O come, O come, Emmanuel is one of the oldest Christmas hymns to still get airplay. True. 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 Yep, that's true. All right. Who knows the singer of the classic song, You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch? Boris Karloff. From the original, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Yeah, Boris, Boris Karloff. Karloff. Wait, that's not a true or false. No, it's not. Who is the singer? This is just trivia. Is that oh, right? okay. Is that right? Nope. This says <laughs> Thurl Ravenscroft. Oh, yeah, that's right. He mm-hmm. also famously voiced Tony the Tiger. Oh, the mascot for Kellogg's Frosted Flakes. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Who wrote White Christmas? Irving, Irving Berlin. Berlin. Correct. Wow. Yes. And true or false, Irving Berlin hated Elvis Presley's version of White Christmas so much that he tried to prevent radio stations from playing it. True. It's probably true. true. <laughs> yes. It's hilarious, Artists but often it's true. Hate <laughs> other versions. Other adaptations of, yeah, their Of work. their own I don't know that I've heard Elvis's version of White Christmas. But probably because Irving had such success. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, Irving. Good job, Irving. <laughs> All right. True or false, the American military played Silent Night over Armed Forces Radio as a covert signal instructing soldiers in Vietnam to evacuate Saigon. Uh, false. False? Why is that? Because that sounds ridiculous. Because <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't at Christmas time. I don't know. Okay. Well, it's false, but it's only false because they played White Christmas, not uh, Silent Night. Well, really? That's, that's what I was thinking. Right. In 1975. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting. Yes. Okay. Sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> I mean, everyone knows you play White Christmas or evacuations. Yeah. <laughs> That's every time we play White Christmas, we're all going to be yeah. running for a door. <laughs> True or false? Irving Berlin originally wrote White Christmas for 
for a Broadway musical that was never produced. False. That sounds true. False. False, false, true. It is true. It was then picked up by Hollywood producers who used it in Holiday Inn. Yep. That's what I remember it from, Holiday Inn. Yep. Yes. So I guessed correctly on that one. Yes, Good job. Yes. Thanks, thanks. What two old English hymns originated in the 1700s? What? Okay. Silent Night. Okay. 17. Ooh, wait. 1700s. 1700s. You said English hymns? Yeah. Good King Wenceslas and O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. God so, rest you, merry gentlemen. We three kings. Okay. <laughs> We're all over the place. <laughs> so, Hark the Herald Angels Sing and Joy to the World are two of the oldest English language Christmas hymns really? originating in the 1700s. Oh. I have to say, Good King Wenceslas, good try, Randy. Thanks. You are welcome. Hark, it's Harold. The angel who sings. (laughs) What was the first song performed in space? Oh, the first song performed in space. It says, "What is performed by like the astronauts?" Must have been. I'm gonna say, "Have yourself a merry little Christmas on the space shuttle." Deck the halls. Okay. Or I don't know, joy to the world, maybe. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. I, could, I could see that one. Because they could point at it then. Right. <laughs> Joy to the... That. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. All right. What was, what was your final answer? Joy to the world. Okay. I said, uh, have yourself a merry little Christmas. Mom? Silent night. Is it going to be something silly? It says jingle bells. Aww. Jingle bells. Classic. Day two astronauts. They said when orbiting pranksters, Wally... Shahira and Tom Stanford launched into Jingle Bells. Mission Control almost lost control. Yeah, right. <laughs> Is there when that was? For Christmas 1965. Oh, okay. It's 65. So that's mm-hmm. during Apollo Gemini. Wow. Era. Yeah. That's cute. We that get it. Cute. You worked for NASA. <laughs> <laughs> not back then. I didn't. I was negative Back then two. he was not born. <laughs> yeah. Negative two. <laughs> okay. True or false? The holiday classic Silver Bells was originally titled Clanking Bells. True. true. False. Two trues and a false, yes. so it is false. Uh, can you guess what it was originally called? How about uh, Clinging Bells? Is that right? Dinging Bells? No. It's even better. Tinkle Bells. <laughs> Tinkle Bells. Tinkle Bells. Tinkle Bells. They said that... Um, Tinkle that, Bells. <laughs> that the authors uh, of the song changed it. When um, Jay Livingston and Ray Evans, when Livingston's wife explained that Tinkle had a different meaning. <laughs> <laughs> Thank heavens for her. Yep. Yes. <laughs> yes. See, let's do a couple more. But it's time oh. to tinkle. tinkle a tinkle, wife tinkle, comes gosh. to the rescue. <laughs> Singer Brenda Lee recorded the original version of Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree when she was blank years old. How old was she? She's 16. Oh, I was going to guess 16. I'm going to guess 15 then. 16, 15. What did you say, Cole? Five. Five? <laughs> That's ridiculous. Okay, so Dad's the closest. She was 13. Oh, wow. Wow. Yes. And that's it for the trivia. I didn't go over everything. There's a lot of really funny stuff on here. That's a lot of trivia I hadn't heard before, so that actually was pretty good. That was yeah. interesting. That was very, yeah. <laughs> that was surprisingly okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> Why, thank you. All right, and that leads at a lot of the... 
the questions were um, about like White Christmas, mm-hmm. the songs and things like that. So the two songs that I'm going to talk to you all today about like the history is White Christmas and Silent Night. Okay. Okay. So White Christmas was originally written for a Broadway review about American holidays that was never produced. Paramount Pictures picked up the idea and turned it into Holiday Inn, which is where the song first played, you know, in a movie format. This is before the White Christmas movie came out, years later. (laughs) What year was that that they did that, did they say? The film was released in 1942. Okay. And I've seen Holiday Inn, and it's okay. It's not yes. like a great right. it's not, yeah. um, holiday movie, but it's an okay holiday movie. It is. The song especially was made famous because of Bing Crosby. Right. right. His single was one of the best known versions of White Christmas. Right. I found on IMDb. Internet review. Movie Database. Right. And I wanted to read you the little snippet they had for Holiday Inn. It says, at an inn, which is only open on holidays, for anybody who has not watched this movie, a crooner and a hoofer vie for the affections of a beautiful up-and-coming performer. Right. So I was kind of chuckling at the old, old words, crooner and hoofer. 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 So a singer and a dancer. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> We're vying for the, the affections old, of a... Old lingo. Yes. Old lingo. Absolutely. So why Christmas became an instant classic. In subsequent years, it remained so popular with radio listeners and record buyers that it re-entered the pop charts over and over again for decades. And it was even a hit single... In every year from 1942 to 1962. Wow. Except wow. for 1952 for some reason. <laughs> That's funny. That was weird. Right. It wasn't a hit single in England until 1977, which is the year that Crosby died. Oh, oh, wow. oh wow. Yeah. And it sold an estimate of 50 million copies. Wow. And the version you hear on the radio today isn't the one recorded... For Holiday Inn, by 1947, the original masters were worn out from having to be pressed millions of times. So in March uh, 1947, Crosby re-recorded the song with John Scott Trotter Orchestra and the backing group from the original version. Yeah, that's interesting. That is interesting. So that was White Christmas. It was also played in... The movie White Christmas. Which we love and we watch every Christmas. Absolutely love. Um, I have also watched Holiday Inn. It's fine. It's a typical love triangle story that's in Christmas. Yes. It's um, black and white. I prefer White Christmas. Of course, I have a bias because I grew up with it. But um, even just listening to the short little description from um, IMDb, um, it says a successful song and dance team becomes romantically involved with a sister act and team up to save the failing Vermont Inn of their former commanding general. So in just from that little short description, I think it embodies the Christmas spirit even more by, yes, it's romantic, but it's also about helping others. Right. Mm-hmm. Especially the end, um, I, I think, is really sweet. Right. So that was White Christmas. Silent Night eh, kind of has an interesting backstory. Uh, it was based on a poem written by Father Joseph... Moore, M-O-H-R, in 1816. The music was added by Franz uh, Gruber. Mm. But not Hans Gruber. 
Correct. Let's just be clear. Another <laughs> Christmas-related person, but... That's right. It's first performed in 1818. Way back. Yeah. The original title was Still Nacht, and it, it became very popular. There is a story to it that I've seen on several websites where... I think the organ wasn't working, some stuff was happening, and basically this um, the father came to to Franz Gruber and basically said, hey, I wrote this poem, can you please put it to music? We have very little time till our Christmas service, and you'll have to use your guitar. <laughs> and so this is the father <clears throat> meaning the priest. Correct. So um, Who had written the poem. Who had written the poem. And so the... Gruber was like, okay, and put music to the poem, and it is... Um, Ended up Silent Night? Yes. This is an interesting trivia if you, if you all ever wanted to have this, I guess, uh, for a future Christmas party. The song was sung simultaneously by French, German, and English troops at the Christmas truce of 1914. Yeah. Which was an unofficial ceasefire between the combatants. And that's an interesting story, mm-hmm. too. Because yeah. they, they came out and they had a, a football game. Football game. They, they they show each other pictures of their family. And I this mean, was along the front. So it wasn't just mm-hmm. one location. It was for oh, miles right. and miles along the and front. And I think the British won the football game. I want to say it was either 3-1 to one or 4-1. to one. Mm-hmm. They beat the, the Germans, funny. which is funny. The but, soldiers' goodwill reduced hostilities to the point where previous enemies walked out of their trenches and crossed no man's land to exchange Christmas greetings, gifts, and played an impromptu, like Cole said, soccer game. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really sweet. Like, this yeah. song can, like, inspire well, and that was and Christmas spirit in general. Yeah. And that was early in the war. Mm-hmm. So, so just a general ceasefire yeah. for that time so, period. And like you said, the, the song was first pre- performed on Christmas Eve 1818, mm-hmm. and it was in Oberndorf mm-hmm. in what was the Austrian Empire at the time, mm-hmm. which is present-day Austria. And a connection back to White Christmas that you were talking about earlier that mm-hmm. Bing Crosby had sung. Bing Crosby's version of Silent Night that he sang is the third best-selling single of all time. So mm-hmm. his version of Silent Night wow. is the third best-selling of all time. It is. And the song has been performed in front of Franz I of Austria and Alexander I of Russia. And just like Dad said, as well as making performances in the U.S., so this is a very popular song. It has some interesting roots. It's it's kind of funny that it started as a poem that was put to music and that, you know, it just grew from there. Mm-hmm. But absolutely. And then Bing Crosby is another, um, you know, performer that people know and you know his Christmas Love music. Love for his and, Christmas music. Yeah. Absolutely. So that was just some fun Christmas song trivia and history. Hope you enjoyed it. If you know of other Christmas song fun tidbits, feel free to tell us on Facebook. Sure, We'll be exploring that more in the future. And if you have any Christmas memories that you want to share with us, share those on Facebook, too. Absolutely. That's fun. Right. So, and just a reminder, you can find us on Twitter at Holiday underscore Moons, on Instagram at Holiday Moons, and our Facebook page that Sydney and Beth were referring to is uh, the Holiday Moons group on Facebook.com. You can also visit us online at RandallMoon.Wixsite, W-I-X-S-I-T-E dot com. Slash holiday moons. And we just, on behalf of us for holiday moons, mm-hmm. we want to wish all of you and your families a very merry and safe Christmas and holiday season. Have a great season. Merry, merry Christmas. Christmas. Merry Christmas.